So how do you guide your child through a journey that is so unknown to you? Maybe your child wants to be an actor. Maybe your child wants to be a musician. Maybe your child wants to be an astronaut. Who knows? You know, the one in a million. How do you stay confident in their ability to make such bold decisions at such young ages? And how do you stay confident in your ability to guide them? How do you refrain from trying to bring them down to reality or to choose something more practical, which is what my parents did? Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. As parents, we focus a lot on our kids, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of emotion. And of course, our kids' self-confidence is important. But what about ours? I could discuss this from so many angles, and I have in the past. Things like our confidence in general as a parent, how we feel about ourselves, and our own sense of worthiness, our confidence as a model for our kids and how important that is, especially if you're a mother to a daughter. These are not unimportant topics. But today, I'm going to discuss confidence in parenting. As you may know, I talk to a lot of parents. I do private coaching. I do small group coaching for parents in my Thriving Families membership group. One of the things I see quite a few parents struggling with is confidence. Am I doing this right? Is this okay? Is the way I handled this okay? Is this behavior normal? Is this getting us to our goals as a parent and as a family? How can I help my child be more independent, be more resilient, be more confident? What I want more than anything for all my parents is to feel confident as the leader of their family. And because I remember how powerless I felt 
when I had no confidence in my parenting. When my oldest son first began challenging me around two years old, I didn't realize it at the time, but he was just being a typical toddler. He was just asserting independence. But I was lost on how to set expectations and get cooperation, how to get respect. I had no confidence in my parenting because I had no answers. I was lost on how to lead and guide my young family to become the kind of people I knew they were capable of and the family that I envisioned. I felt like I was failing my son and I was failing myself. This was not the family I wanted to have, that I wanted to build, and how I wanted to feel as a mom. I wanted to feel capable and confident as their leader and their guide. I wanted to feel like I was someone they could look up to and count on. And since those early days, I've learned a lot about what it takes to feel confident in my parenting at each and every step of the way. So I'm going to share with you what has helped me, some of the hurdles I've dealt with, I've overcome, and a few that I'm still in the process of managing, and how I've done it and how I'm doing it. I don't have to tell you that parenting throws a lot of challenges our way. They usually start out simple and common, but at some point, we almost all find ourselves in the midst of challenges that are not so simple or not so common. Starting from the early days, my first challenge was a high-needs baby and toddler. A baby who needed to be constantly held to a toddler who wanted to constantly be entertained. I had to learn how to balance meeting his needs while guiding him to become more independent. He didn't need as much as he was acting like he needed. He needed to build some independence, but he still obviously needed his mom quite a bit and he wanted a lot of my attention. I had to figure out how to balance those two things to help him grow into the independent self that he was capable of and that was going to help him thrive. I had to learn tools to interact with him to set far boundaries and expectations for his behavior without yelling and losing my cool or bribing him for good behavior because none of those work in the long term or met the goals that I had for this family. The yelling from me was about not having an answer. It was my lack of confidence, my lack of knowledge about how to guide his behavior. I had no practical solutions and so my frustration came out in yelling. Once I had the tools, I learned many over a period of a few months. By two weeks, I had a nice repertoire of some tools and ways of interacting and guiding him that worked well. And then I kept adding to it. And over the next two months, I had a really nice selection of tools. And I knew what worked with him, what worked well, and how to change it up in a way that kept him interested and kept him in a space where he wanted to cooperate. He was and still is a very intelligent child and now a young man. So I needed to appeal to his intelligence and not placate and not patronize him. But I wanted to draw on those strengths. And as I tested and honed what worked, it fed my confidence as a mom. Then we had this really nice foundation to build upon. Then I got to start focusing on other things like supporting his development, his physical, his emotional, his cognitive development. It freed up time and energy that I could spend on activities and outings that built his confidence, his mind, body, and emotional and social skills. I was able to learn and understand what he needed, and then his twin siblings as well who were coming up behind him because I already gained the knowledge that I had it to apply to my relationships with them as well. We were able to work on 
his self-confidence and his resilience. And I had, and I still have high expectations for my kids and for my parenting. I wanted to help my kids avoid so many pitfalls that I had dealt with as a young adult. My biggest ones being self-doubt, body image issues, and shame, guilt, and people-pleasing. I didn't know who I was or what I wanted because growing up in my family, I survived by people-pleasing. That's how you survived in my family. So it was always about other people. I wanted my kids to know who they are, what they wanted, and not to be afraid to ask for it and go for it. And that's a tall order, especially when you're figuring it all out along the way. I set expectations for their behavior always based in love and with their long-term happiness and success in mind. So when I needed to set boundaries around anything, whether it was junk food, bedtime, some toy at a store they were asking for that really didn't want to have in my house, saying no was easier because I knew it came from a place of love and wanting the best for them. Dealing with any meltdowns that would ensue to my saying no to something didn't leave me feeling guilty because the boundary was set out of love. I carried it out with firmness, but with love. And we'd have these conversations starting really early at around age four about the decisions I make for them that how they are out of love. I would tell them they may not fully understand my reasons yet, but what they needed to know was that the decisions I made for them, I was making what I felt was best for their long-term happiness and success, and it was out of love. I think what's really helpful to add in here also is that when you have a basic understanding of child development, their physical, their cognitive, their social, emotional, and yes, their spiritual and even sexual development, you can make decisions much more easily about what is a positive and what's a potential negative to their development in all these areas, their developing sense of self. And that's why I also, I created classes on development because having this is so important. It helps guide your decisions on a daily basis. You're developing infant, you're developing toddler, you're developing preschooler. What their child's current state of development was so that they could make decisions based around that. This way, parents know how to support their development, what activities, toys, games, red flags, the decisions they make, and how they all work in to help garner positive behavior, cooperative behavior, independent, responsible behavior at each age. And because this information is so pertinent to being able to more quickly assess an answer if you really don't want that loud buzzing toy in your house, having the knowledge makes that decision easier to make and easier to stick with. But like everyone, I have bumped up against my fair share of challenges. Early on, I definitely didn't always have the answers. And when I would bump up against something that was particularly difficult or new, my kid's dad would ask me, if one of your parents came to you with this question, what would you tell them? And sometimes the answer was, I don't know. But I realized that I had the resources between my education, my connections, my access to research, my community. I could figure it out. And with each passing challenge that I faced and overcame, my confidence grew. But here are a few challenges that we've dealt with over the years that I had to figure out. And I learned how to take action where I could and let go. There's part of the wisdom. Let go of the areas where I didn't have control. Let it be. Let it be part of their development and be okay with that. So here's some I've never shared before. 
The first one, nocturnal enuresis, which is the scientific term for bedwetting. So if you've been through that, I'm sure you know that. You've heard that at the doctor's office. One of my kids took a long time to daytime potty train, four and a half, but even had accidents up till about five and a half. But nighttime potty training took years after that. And there's really not a lot you can do. I went through all the steps, a physical and blood work to rule out any physical issues. The overarching answer, which was both my greatest hope and fear, because I didn't want anything to really be wrong, was that it's developmental. And especially in the case of nighttime, the hormones that needed to mature that wake kids up when their bladder is full were not in effect. And for some kids, this just can take a really long time. But doctors will recommend trying things to jumpstart or get the body into a habit of waking up when it has to go to the bathroom. So we had tried the beeper that attaches to the underwear that goes off when it gets wet. It would work intermittently, but if the pee doesn't hit the sensor, then it doesn't go off at all. Or if it doesn't go off until they've completely emptied their bladder, which sometimes happens, then we tried the pads that have sensors on them. So the child lays on, you put this on the bed underneath them, and when it gets wet, it will go off. But it has to hit one of the sensors. But the pad doesn't cover the whole bed. So you have to hope the kid stays on the pad. And in that case, the technology was also not really there. Sometimes it wouldn't go off at all. Or if it did, once it went off, it wouldn't stop. (laughs) We couldn't get the stupid thing off in the middle of the night. Sometimes they sleep right through it. This thing is beeping and buzzing. We couldn't figure out how that was possible two rooms away. And we are stumbling down the hall in the middle of the night to this piercing alarm. The kid is still passed out, doesn't hear a thing. We finally had to accept that the hormones would kick in when the hormones kicked in. And we would do our best to protect the mattress, keep the bed clean in the meantime, which meant mattress protectors and daily sheet changes. Interestingly, we ended up a few years later with the diagnosis of SPD, sensory processing disorder. There were a lot of other signs and I I never picked up on these or realized that they were signs of SPD. Things like walking on tiptoes, discomfort with seams, early on heightened sensitivity to loud noises, but grew out of that one. So really just a lot of sensitivity. There was a lot of growing out of those. So I thought it was just an age thing. Sounds near the ears during haircuts, dislikes of nail trimmers. And apparently, we then learned, I learned at the doctor's office, that bedwetting is common for kids with SPD. Because while kids with SPD tend to be very sensitive to a lot of things, they tend to lack a sensitivity to other things. And one of those being wet at night doesn't wake them up. So many times when we experience things that are out of the range of normal, it can rock our confidence as a parent. We feel like we've done something wrong. We aren't doing enough. Why can't I get my kid to do this basic thing, right, of potty training? Like this should come naturally. It should be, we should have this down by now. We're way past the average age. But the truth is when we understand the developmental process and we know we've tried all the suggestions, we've taken them methodically step by step, we've given it our all, that could potentially help the situation and it doesn't, then it's time to settle in and feel confident that we've given our best. And that it's just a process that we need to be patient with. And it's nothing to be embarrassed about or to feel responsible for or to let it rock our confidence. Okay, I'm going to share two other situations I've faced and I'm still dealing with actually that can rock parents' confidence. 
and how I'm managing them right after a word from our sponsors. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back, two other situations that I have faced I'm still currently dealing with that can rock your confidence as a parent and you wonder and you may wonder if you're really cut out for this. Dealing with a medical diagnosis, whether it's a mental health diagnosis or physical health diagnosis, and I've dealt with both mental health diagnosis, which I've shared about dealing with depression and also an ADHD diagnosis in the past. Today I'm going to share about physical health diagnoses that I've dealt with. And the process is very similar. So my daughter has struggled with a particular physical issue since she was very young. 
The pediatrician ran a few tests but couldn't find anything. It continued to plague her and get progressively worse over the years. We'd taken her to several different pediatricians. No one could figure it out. And finally, we got into a specialist about a year and a half ago, and we got a diagnosis for a very rare autoimmune condition. So rare that the doctor who diagnosed her didn't even know what it was. He had to do some research on his computer to find out what it was, and he'd actually never heard of it before. He had to look up the treatment for it. Now, this isn't anything life-threatening. She got treatment. It's a steroid, and she's only supposed to use it to get her condition under control and then use it weekly for maintenance. But as soon as she stops using it, she flares up. Long-term, steroid use is not a good option. So before I dive into the steps I'm currently working through, I want to take a moment to share that no matter the issue, when it's not run-of-the-mill and we don't have a clear path, we can feel pretty lost, even if it is somewhat more typical run-of-the-mill, even if it is a diagnosis like ADHD or dyslexia or something like that we still can feel pretty lost, overwhelmed, and powerless. It can rock our confidence as a parent, how to guide our kids through something we've never had to deal with before. But we feel this huge weight of responsibility. Our kids look to us to guide them. And when we're told that there's no good answer for their suffering, or we can't get in to see the person we've been referred to, to help with their academic struggles, or it's to help them get organized and stay focused, or for a physical health diagnosis, and we keep seemingly bumping into these dead ends, we can feel inadequate as a parent when we can't get our child the help that they need. There's nothing worse than feeling so powerless to help our child. We also went through this with my daughter with stomach pain as a young girl, and as a baby, she threw up all the time. No one in the hospital, nor two pediatricians could figure out that she was lactose intolerant and that's what was causing her stomach pain or her vomiting when she was an infant. It was an urgent care doctor who I had to take her into when she was having all kinds of issues who actually figured it out and she was seven. Seven. It took us seven years to get a simple diagnosis of lactose intolerance. So back to our current health challenge. So I've been researching how to help my daughter. I joined a support group online. I've since learned that her diagnosis can actually deeply affect her life if we don't get this under control. And I am not okay with the potential outcome for this if we don't get it under control. So I am pulling out all the stops. We're trying diet changes. We're trying natural remedies. I found a top, top doctor in the field in the next county over who specializes in her very condition. So. I'm going to get her in to see him. And there's also a new treatment that is very promising, but there's only one doctor I can find who does it, and it's in Florida, and we're in California, but one step at a time. So if that's what turns out is the best answer for her to have her future free from pain and potential loss of body functionality, then that's the route we're going to take. And of course, it's not covered by insurance. But what I've learned in dealing with these issues, these diagnoses, is that if you keep digging, you'll find the answers. If you don't give up, you'll find the support, you'll find the treatment, you'll find the provider, you'll find the best possible option available right now for whatever the issue is. Not every option is always great, but just keep trying. 
you likely have a friend, a contact, a, someone in your community who can lead you somewhere, who could lead you somewhere, who can lead you somewhere. Whether it's academic struggles, whether it's health issues, whether it's a mental health struggle your child is having, keep looking until you find your answer. It can all feel like too much some days, but you're put in charge of your kids because you have what it takes to find the answers for them. You have a wealth of resources in your community, in your friends, in your family. I'm obviously here for any parent who needs guidance in any area of parenting and a plan for anything, whether it's behavior, grades, health, big goals that your kids want to achieve that you need help trying to figure out how to manage or plan for that. I've pretty much been through it or helped others through almost every type of challenge. The last one I want to talk about is when your child presents you with a really, what a lot of people might consider an unrealistic, very big kind of grandiose goal or dream that they have. When I was growing up, I was always told to become an engineer so I could make good money. So that's what I did. I did exactly what I was told. And it turns out, hated it. So I always wanted my kids to pursue a passion. So when my son came to me and told me he wanted to be a professional tennis player, the only thing I could say was, wow, great. I believe in you. I'll do everything I can to support you. I had seen his passion for tennis like I'd never seen it anyone for anything else. I had to believe in him and I had to believe in his dream. What's interesting is he's so intelligent. Like he's a very cerebral kid. I thought he'd do something like an engineering or scientist, inventor, or researcher, a doctor. I definitely wouldn't have guessed athlete. But like I said, given that I had seen this passion in him, like I had never seen anyone pursue anything, I absolutely had to support him. So I started researching and I learned a lot. When you start researching, you learn things you sometimes don't want to know about, like my daughter's condition. But in his case, I learned how difficult this path is, especially if you didn't start early, like by six, and especially if you don't have a lot of financial means. I also learned that only the top 100 to 150 players in the world make a decent living at tennis. It's not like a team of football players. We've got, I don't know, I don't, I don't play, I don't, sorry, I don't watch football, but you know, basketball, football, there's what, at least 50 players on every team. And how many teams do we have in the US alone? I mean, I know football isn't big in other countries, but soccer, you name it, like there's 50 to 100 players on every team in every country, but this is in the world. I also was told he was too late. He didn't start until he was 12. I was told unless we're made of money, so he can go to a tennis academy or have a whole lot of private lessons that he'll never make it. I knew nothing about tennis myself, so I couldn't teach him and I didn't have the time or the desire to go that far anyway. But I just believed so strongly that he knew what he wanted and what he was supposed to do in life that I had to believe it was possible. So how do you guide your child through a journey that is so unknown to you? Maybe your child wants to be an actor. Maybe your child wants to be a musician. Maybe your child wants to be an astronaut. Who knows? You know, the one in a million, how do you stay confident in their ability to make such bold decisions at such young ages? And how do you stay confident in your ability to guide them? 
How do you refrain from trying to bring them down to reality or to choose something more practical, which is what my parents did? I will tell you, there have been times when I thought, maybe this is a mistake. Maybe he's not cut out for this. He would play so well in practice, even giving his coach a good run for his money some days, and then just would not deliver at a tournament. We went to a few tournaments where he got his butt handed to him. He got blown off the court. He was so far behind where he quote unquote should be if he wants to go pro. So I figured he's got to start making big leaps in skill and show that he is just really talented and gifted if we're going to make this work. But this wasn't happening. And I, I never said a word to him about my doubts. I'm like, he's 14. He's got big dreams. He gets up every morning and works out five days a week for two hours and three to four afternoons a week on top of it. He's conditioning, he's hitting, he's doing drills, he's lifting weights. I talked to his coach who explained to me that it can take time to learn how to control your nerves and play your game in tournaments. So I let my son take the lead. Never once has he wavered the way that I have. Never once has he said, this is too hard. I don't want to train today. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. He just keeps going. He just uses it as motivation. He got a second place trophy at a tournament and he was so mad. And he didn't, he wanted to throw it in the trash on the way out. And he sticks it on his dresser and it kind of sits behind the other ones. And he says, it's his reminder that he never wants to come in second place again. He uses it as motivation to keep working really hard. So he went to his last tournament with what I thought was a cold. Turns out he had COVID and he still played kids ranked way over where he is right now. And he won. He's finally learning how to play tournaments at the same level that he does in practice. It's finally clicking. And his coach said to him the other day that he's caught up to where he would be if he had started when he's younger. They're now going to start pushing him to get ahead. And they're both really on board and really excited about this. He still is expected to keep very good grades. Part of that is because part of this track is going to be going to a Division I school where he can play during college and get some really good coaching and get a scholarship. So he has to keep his grades up. So he's still holding his 4.0. He's still only about to turn 15. I have confidence that he knows who he's meant to be, that he knows what his passions are and that he's following them. And that just like many parents who came before me, who had kids who've done all kinds of fantastical things that no one in their family has ever done before, that we will find our way through. If you want to learn to start building a strong foundation for confidence in your family, for gaining cooperation, for gaining better behavior, independence, resilience, you can go to the website, yourvillageonline.com, learn more about the successful parenting playbook, which is eight classes, parenting goals, parenting styles, intro to discipline, my highly, highly ranked your child's unique temperament to learn how to parent your child to their unique personality traits. And of course, all of the positive discipline tools, toddlers all the way to teens are available in the Successful Parenting Playbook for $7 a month at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.